Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Radiohead. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? This is Elliot Eidhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. I'm back in Brooklyn, but we still have Shy representing. Today I'm joined by Josh Modell representing Shy. <laughs> Josh is our executive editor here at the site. Listeners, we have a very, very cool show for you today. Two artists with fascinatingly similar elements in their backgrounds who are about to spend February touring America together. David Bazan of Pedro the Lion and Sarah Beth Tom Berlin. The reason they're out together in February is to tour behind a brand new Pedro the Lion record, the first one in 15 years. And of course, Tom Berlin continuing to tour behind At Weddings, her super well-respected debut, which came out in 2018. Josh, I really want to take a moment to comment on the way that At Weddings grew. You know, we often see labels spend a lot of money really just push an artist with everything they've got and take out billboards, do big press buys and magazines on sites. I didn't see any of that with Tom Berlin. What I saw was the kids genuinely loving a record, passing it on to the next person, passing it on to the next person, telling the next person. And all of a sudden, there's this big groundswell about this young woman, Sarah Beth Tom Berlin, who's only 23, and when her record came out, had never even toured. The songs on her debut record are very minimally adorned. It's mostly just her voice, which is beautiful, and some guitars. There's some guitar looping. Think very sparse, very atmospheric instrumentation. Let's check out Any Other Way from At Weddings. It's a very wistful record. It's a very lonely record. We hear about lost loves. We hear about struggling with relationships and self-acceptance. We also hear about some of the Christian concepts that she was raised on. It's interesting to note that Sarah Beth was born the daughter of a Baptist pastor. She, she was homeschooled. Then she went off to Christian college, which she later dropped out of. And it's very much informed her artistry. I knew I wanted to have Sarah Beth on the show. And when I asked her to send over some names of artists she'd be really interested to speak to, one really stood out. That is, of course, David Bazan, who it turns out is one of her biggest influences and, as it turns out, is a huge fan of her record. Bazan, of course, is best known as the leader of the band Pedro the Lion, which made a bunch of records in the late 90s and early 2000s and then kind of went on hiatus while he explored a ton of different band names and sounds, uh, including Headphones, Low Tom, Overseas, and of course, some solo records. Pedro the Lion got back together in 2017 to do some touring, and now they've got a new record coming out called Phoenix, their first in 15 years. Yellow 
Like Sarah Beth Tomberlin, Dave Bazan has had a really interesting relationship with Christianity in his music. The earliest Pedro the Lion records were Christian records. And at some point, he sort of began re-examining his faith and eventually, you could say, kind of losing it. And he, he really grappled with that in interviews and on records. And they have some great conversation about what it's like to move away from Christianity. Josh, I also thought it was interesting to hear how their religious upbringings inform the way they think about their music now, even if the music is completely divorced from Christianity. What I mean by that, to give an example, is they both think of their music as a sort of service work, almost bringing the missionary attitude that they had in their religious years to their artwork and the messages inherent there. Both of these artists have stepped away from Christianity, but it still clearly kind of informs what they do and informs their music. They're not, you know, anti-Christian by any means. They're kind of exploring what it means to have been raised in the way that they both were. It's fascinating stuff, and it makes for a great conversation. It really does, and, and there's so many interesting elements to this conversation. We hear about them not being allowed to listen to secular music as they grew up and the tricks they each used to get around that rule. They talk about their stints at Bible college and the problems that they observe there. Yeah, I had to look up, as I was editing this conversation, Josh, I had to look up a term they use, ring by spring. Had you ever heard this before? I had not. I was very confused. Same, same. So this is something that Bible colleges often encourage in their student body, which is they want the students to have found someone to marry by the spring semester of their senior year. It was really interesting to hear David and Sarah Beth get into that. Their talk also covers David's take on the biggest lie of Christianity. And of course, finding personal salvation in the band that's bigger than Jesus, the Beatles. <laughs> Should we roll the tape? Yeah, let's hear it. My spot. Mm. Um, where are you in the world? In Chicago. Um, we're playing here tonight. Oh, wow. You're on tour. Yeah. How's it going? It is going well, I think. This is my first ever time touring. So it's... Uh, like lots of figuring it out. Yeah, is the day-to-day stressing you out consistently or do you find It's been good, but I mean, yeah, I'm I'm self like managing myself right now and um and I just have no idea what I'm doing, but I yeah. have a lot of friends that um are, you know, touring musicians and um have a lot of good tips and so I just ask a lot of questions all the time. Um That's the way. Yeah. So, I think it's going okay. I haven't uh, done anything too catastrophic yet so <laughs> we'll see how it goes but I think it's going yeah the road is just a series of indignities punctuated by hopefully the chance to <laughs> express your music to people who want to hear it yeah I read a little bit um, like in your bio and stuff but <laughs> yeah. what was your experience sort of beginning to write songs and then moving from that phase to putting out a record and, and being on tour and what were the obstacles that you kind of faced? Were they mostly internal or were there mm. a lot of external things that you were running up against too? I think there were definitely both um, internal, external kind of like things keeping me from really going for it, I guess. <laughs> like I, yeah. I've i always been writing songs and like singing songs growing up around the house. I mean, all of our home videos of me, I'm pretty much like just making up. 10 minute, 15 minute long songs. These were songs you were making up like on the spot? Or yeah. Kind of, that's so cool. <laughs> I mean, some of them were like, you know, fine. Um, and like some of it was like I was literally just a kid and I'm like 
something to wish and a pile of fish. Like that's something, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like rhyming. Um, well, but, it's a good thing to exercise your creativity without self-consciousness. And there's definitely. not a lot of time that people get to do that in their lives. Yes, yes, That's for sure. so rad. So my parents were really um, encouraging in that. My mom is an amazing like mute, like singer and she also plays like piano and flute. And, you know, church and stuff. I mean, music was always around, so it I've wasn't... I've had that experience, too, because yeah. of church. Yeah, so it wasn't, like, anything out of the ordinary, and it wasn't... Even when I was writing, um, as I was getting older, and I really enjoyed, like, creative writing projects and um, yeah. things like that. So that was just always, like, that was something that was known about me, like, within my family, that, like, that was just something that I did and enjoyed and was, like, okay at... Um, and where did where did you connect with like what you thought of as creative writing the first time? Was it in school or was it at, at home in some context? Yeah, um, I was homeschooled my whole life. Oh, right. Um, so my mom, I mean, it was pretty early on where she like, aside from like English classes, had like would have us do my sister and I do like creative writing like assignments mm -hmm. where she would give like topics to write on and then you know, we'd have to write a certain amount of pages or something. And I really, like, that was what, I, it was just, it came really easily. Um, so and Was that stories or just yeah, kind of whatever? Stories, like fiction. Um, I liked writing, like, in first person as well, just about, like, experiences. Um, yeah. With just, like, very colorful language. I actually, I was looking for, like, a folder to put some papers on the other day and yesterday when I was home for a minute and I like found a bunch of old creative writing stuff and uh I like looked at one and I was like yikes um but uh I mean all of it's you know central to like where you're at at that time but uh I mean that was just something that I did and enjoyed and did it even when it was just like not assigned to me um, that is so cool that harkens back to that thing too just it's hard to find that space, especially once your work is out in the world and people give you feedback about it. <laughs> yeah. To 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 just create unselfconsciously and not worry, mm -hmm. and to have exercised that muscle so often as a kid is just such a great thing for an artist's development. I think that's just so cool. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that, but yeah, pretty cool. My creative writing experience started in high school and in, in a just in a class at a public high school mm -hmm. in a creative writing class, and one of the things I liked about it was um, it offered me a chance to be provocative. I didn't know I wanted to do that, but mm -hmm. the writing that I did ended up being pr provocative in that space. Mm -hmm. Because your mom was your teacher, mm -hmm. were you able to be a, a provocative relative to where you're coming from? Were you able to sure. kind of stretch out that way, or was there were there limitations that you <laughs> were aware of that you had to kind of stay within? Yeah, I mean, I was, like, I think internalizing things and being like, uh, I don't want to have a conversation where, like, later she's going to be like, what? What does this right, mean? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I definitely, there were limitations, and that was just maybe informed by, like, I would even print off, like, song lyrics to that I really liked and, like, um, keep them in a notebook, and one time she found, like, I think it was even like Paramore lyrics that it was not oh, yeah. really that crazy, but she was like, this is like, this isn't really beneficial to, <laughs> to yeah. like be that listening word. to or whatever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
<laughs> I had to so, give up the the Beatles. I've discovered what? the Beatles in eighth grade, and I wasn't allowed to listen to Christian music or, or to secular music. Mm-hmm. I should say same. And um, but I discovered the White Album and the '67 through the Blue Best of. Um, yeah. And I loved it so much, but I <laughs> strategically I I fucked up, and I made. I was walking around my house in eighth grade singing Your Blues. <laughs> um, I'm so lonely, I want to die, which is just a fantastic song. But uh-huh. my dad just was like, look, you can't, <laughs> like, you just have to stop listening. You can, what he said is you can appreciate it at intervals, like maybe every couple of months, put it on and recognize oh <laughs> or whatever. But I mean, I was, you know, I had an auto reverse Walkman with uh-huh. a 90-minute cassette with the, you know, first disc of the White Album on one side plus whatever else could fit and the same <laughs> thing from the the Blue Best Of. And I just was, it was 24-7 in my ears yeah. because it was salvation. It was yeah. so, so amazing. But yeah, yeah, same thing. There was just like those limitations and it wasn't beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <to> <laughs> They're like, this, this with everything like that we know about you seems like it could turn... Yeah, right. Um, Who knew that suicidal ideation (laughs) would be such a thing? (laughs) Yeah. They're just like, we have like a sneaking suspicion. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's the same. I wasn't allowed to listen to uh, secular music. So So where did you experience the the cultural stuff? At church? Church, yeah. Um, And just like kit yeah through church and like the kids there. And then like we would still go to like football games and stuff like different like social activities outside of like um well it, with like the kids that did go to public school For um church, i think yeah. we were finishing up our eighth grade year um and then yeah so then high school like hits or like that you know realm and um i and also with ipods so i guess like maybe earlier than that maybe like 12 years old 12, 13, um, because my cousin Melody, who lives in Atlanta, she had an iPod before I did or my sister did and a whole huge iTunes library. And (laughs) I would just, like, every time we would get to go visit them, I would be like, here, just, like, put put everything on my iPod. Oh, my Um, gosh, that's so so, cool. Yeah, so then that's, like, you don't have to hide CDs anymore. No. Because I did buy, I mean, yeah, so I was like 12 years old, 12, yeah, I guess 12, 13. The first CDs that I bought that I like hid from my parents were like Dashboard Confessional, uh, The Places You've Come to Fear the Most, Translanicism, like Death Cab, and then Chicago, the movie soundtrack. Oh, cool. (laughs) Uh, Because homeschooled and like you just have to be into musicals, I guess. Um, Yeah. But (laughs) it's like a rule. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that changed the game, like iPods, because you didn't have to like show you, you don't have to hide the CDs. So yeah, um, yeah, I would just have her load all of this stuff on and like some of the half of the stuff on my iPod, like I wouldn't have even like touched yet because I would be really like into certain things. So that's how I really got everything. And when you got your iPod loaded up from your cousin Melody, did what mm-hmm. was there one or two records uh, beyond the ones that you mentioned that you connected to? right away Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's how i heard mira who i'm on tour with right now oh my Um, gosh that's cool (laughs) yeah uh so pretty full circle there um um i mean i liked taking back sunday and Mm -hmm. like um always the age-old question was like 
death cab or dashboard? Like if you had to choose one, like which That's one amazing. do you like the most? And that those are like, I mean, and I really liked the postal service, like the, um, it's a great record. Super yeah, good I mean, songwriting. Good. So yeah, I mean, I think those were what I clung to pretty heavy in those years of just like angst and like everything is just so such a big deal at that age. It helps to process those, those emotions as mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, really, I think I, I'm going through at 42, like listening to your record, I'm processing things at 42 that you're processing now. And part of it has to do with that, the space that I guess we both grew up in and purity culture and like all of these things. And I look back on the little dude that I was and I just wish there was somebody to speak to that person and say, mm-hmm. hey, these are hard things. This mm-hmm. this is going to be okay. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, Death Cab offers that. Yeah, to for people. sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your music offers that to me now. Um, I can hear, I don't know, I can hear people's perspective in my life when I'm, when I listen to your record that, and it helps me understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. better and myself. And I, I assume my music works that way for people too because mm-hmm. I've needed that and so I mm-hmm. offer that but yeah I'm so grateful for death cab <laughs> yeah uh, I mean really like I I mean I still listen to those records I mean translinicism is like I think my favorite death cab record. unstoppable I, it's an unstoppable yeah, I mean like record. it should probably be everyone's favorite but I'm it's not a great record although I, I love um I really do love the photo album too that those guys mm-hmm. don't really dig that one so much I think but um, yeah, but I mean, it's still, uh, there's bangers, bangers it's a for days. Classic um, record. <laughs> yeah. In that same realm, I think that's how I got your music too. I mean, just like sharing and people, like, I mean, I made a lot of mixed CDs as well. Like, I was very into mixed CDs and, and I would like make cover art, like collage. That's stuff making for records. Friends. That's practice making records. It's so yeah. cool. <laughs> so you're, you're discovering Death Cab and, um, <laughs> and music and then in high school are you living in the same town for the whole time or did you move yeah. in high school yeah so from i mean my we moved to fairfield and uh i think it was november of 2007 and i was 12 you're 12 okay um, so i mean my parents still live there um so yeah they're they're still there and um that's we stayed there um Except for when I turned 16, I went to a Christian college um, for like two semesters. Where um, at? Nearby? Uh, in, in Louisville. It's called Boyce. <laughs> and it's like the other undergrad of Southern Seminary. Okay. Um, Is yeah. that a Baptist uh, <laughs> yeah. denomination? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, I became a Christian, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Pretty young, and pr- I think I recommitted like my life or whatever. Uh, also, I was under the age of twelve. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like very guilty, yeah, and, like yeah. felt a lot of shame. So yeah, it was just like those kind of things. I also went to Uganda like on a mission trip um, after I turned sixteen as well. Okay. Um, the summer before I went to school. Yeah, I was just really trying to like be obedient in right. like, the way that I thought 
um, I needed to be. And also like my parents didn't really push me to go to like a, like that school necessarily, but they, you know, encouraged it. And I also, this is where like the internalization, like I felt that that was like the only place that they would let me go at, yeah. at so young. And my sister also went, like my older sister, like we went there at the same time and like we shared a dorm room. So it was oh, like a certain wow. amount of safety. Yeah. Yeah. That they were like okay with. And I didn't have a car. So I just was there on campus. Um, so in that sense, was it kind of a good option? Yeah, I wanted mind? to get out of Illinois. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, this is, and, and just out of that town, it's like a town of like 5,000 people. It's yeah. very rural. Um, yeah. Like yeah. the near, how I explain that is the nearest Target or like a Starbucks is, it was in Evansville, Indiana, which is an mm-hmm. hour and 15 minute drive. Yep. So yeah, I was just kind of like, I need to leave. Um, yeah. And so that was the way out. And we had lived in Louisville before. So I like knew the area and knew some people still there. And so that's where I was. And I stuck it out for two semesters and then dropped out because I was like, I can't actually do this or be here. And what was um, your experience there? Like, what was it culturally that it didn't work? Or was it um, <laughs> the, the yeah. stuff you were learning was just there's too much conflict? Uh, yeah, the culture there is like very, I mean, obviously very conservative, very like encouraging, like young student freshmen, like basically to get married, like right, as, right. Soon as soon as possible. As... And um, like ring by spring is like yep. a situation there. Um, uh, just so... an aside, my parents met at Bethany Bible College, which is an <laughs> Assemblies of, or was an Assemblies of God College in um, yeah. near, outside of Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And they, so from the time I was a kid, I heard the joke, Bethany Bridal College instead of wow. Bible. Um, <laughs> and then I also went to an Assemblies of God college for two two years, four semesters. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you stuck it out. Yeah. You and I tried. <laughs> but I knew... So like I that, that was definitely something I knew going in was that that was like a trope of Bible college and mm-hmm. of the culture in general because women's value was thought to be as wives and mothers not mm-hmm. as professionals. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I just to say I I grew up with that idea <laughs> and I mm-hmm. get um that it's a joke and also it's not a joke. Ring by spring was a part of the culture that you yeah. <laughs> moved into yeah did you feel that directly like was that pointed at you or were you just like like they have actual talks like where they separate like the boys and the girls and like whoa like they like have like talks on biblical like manhood and womanhood oh Um, i'm so sorry oh it's okay um i mean yeah so it was just a lot of um that and even even not being in like a public school context, I did go to public school for driver's ed, yeah. um, <laughs> but that was it. And um, even the context of like walking across like the J-Bowl or whatever is what they call it, like mm-hmm. the lawn. Um, I remember I was walking with somebody to the cafeteria or whatever and um, I got in and this girl comes up to me and is like, oh, do you like, do you like him? Like, are you oh guys like God. talking? And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> Um, because I just, I wasn't used to just like that social, like that weird 
these unsaid rules and like these, yeah. I don't even know the language for it. It's just, it was very uncomfortable and very, my RA like took me to, you know, coffee shops, like I want to get to know you. And then is like just asking me like really personal questions, like really just trying to like know about me and like what yeah. my deal is. And um, to, to control you a little. Yeah. 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 It, and so then like you want to rebel against that. So like I would say I got in my first like, boyfriend girlfriend relationship um when i was at school and yeah. the guy ended up being just like really awful <laughs> mm-hmm. and um abusive and, and things and uh <sighs> i just it was like you know getting in like making out you know in in his car and stuff and like heavy making out and then he would be like you know later I would be like I feel like bad about this he's like well that's like good because at least like like the Lord is like working in you and like boy like all that stuff yeah so that was really (laughs) not good for me um it's just like mind fuck central I mean yeah and you're like this dude's think like he thinks he's going to be a pastor um and like all he's practicing controlling people already (laughs) yeah I mean it's just it's so and and that culture like cultivates that toxic yes. situation where it's just unhealthy and there's like there actually aren't any boundaries for these men <laughs> no um they so, they do what they can get away with on balance yeah they think yeah, yeah. so i mean i guess i should say we um <laughs> i mean yeah it's it's like it's it's something that I really actually have a lot of like empathy for because it's a your product of like your environment and um it's just like ingrained <laughs> um in it, it is, but there's a way out of it and it's thinking yeah. and empathy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Recognizing the experiences that other people are having. Every every one of those people has the tools to see their way clear of it. And maybe it's just a matter of time, but Mm-hmm. If you really hurt somebody when you're young and you recognize it, it it changes you if you recognize it. You know, mm-hmm. you just like fuck, I don't I can't. That was wrong or that was unfair or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I have as a guy with a libido as strong as anybody's I <laughs> I just feel like there are ways to pay attention better and not yeah put people in anybody who's been put in a fucked up situation and didn't want to be there can Mm -hmm. recognize like oh this person that i am i'm putting them in an uncomfortable situation they don't want to be here Mm -hmm. how does it benefit me to keep them in this situation you know Mm -hmm. but that's just something that like isn't even talked about you know Um, no it's not and it's just like don't have sex before marriage um and it's there's no other tools in your tool basket like it's just kind of like so if I do, like if something does happen, I don't even know what's happening, but like I know that it's wrong because I'm not supposed to be doing this anyway. Like but it's just... But you're no, not even aware of consent as a thing that yeah, you have the, yeah. the power to exert, you know? Oh man, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was a major part of me like leaving because I just, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was really trying to get away from him. I went in in August of 2011. Yeah. And then I left in May of 2012 after like the end of my second semester but we didn't even break up until like that summer because it just was like I kept trying to and 
it would just never happen. Well, I'm glad it. I'm glad it finally did. <laughs> yes, me too. Um, so yeah, so I moved back home and was you know back at church and. I mean, yeah. I was at church when I was in school, but back in that environment. Back um, in your home church, kind of. Yes. Yeah. And after having like a taste of freedom somewhat and like being able to kind of set what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then moving back was really tough. And also, but it was like I was 17. Yeah. Um, or yeah, I just turned 17 when I moved back. So it was just getting older and realizing that like I had things that I was feeling and dealing with, but not, didn't really feel like it was okay. Yeah. Or like going to church and then start starting to feel anxious and like having panic attacks because I was just like, I don't think, like kind of coming to terms with the fact that I just really didn't think that I believed or like, Yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Like when you kind of allow yourself to realize that you don't actually know what you're doing um, or why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And like wanting like not to disappoint my parents and like shame them. (laughs) Yeah. But also like be able to be my, myself. It's a funny dynamic that I experienced too, where my parents were at, on the one hand, I think technically like fundamentalist Christians, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, within that sphere they valued critical thinking and indirectly mostly taught us to value critical thinking mm-hmm. and Same, um, yeah. fairness and taking responsibility for your actions and like mm-hmm. all of these things kind of come together into like a really rigorous kind of reaping and sowing setup mm-hmm. uh, and once you really dig into that as a human and then you apply that rigor to the culture that you grew up in, mm-hmm. it's it's a done deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they didn't know that they were giving us the tools to break out of the the culture that that they had come up in and they had brought us up in. And mm-hmm. the pain for them is the biggest, for my parents, is the, is for me it was freedom ultimately and it's been painful mm-hmm. to exert that um mm-hmm. but in the end i'm so grateful for their personalities and their temperaments and what they were you know what they were doing in spite of the you know it just it's just a yeah. bad coincidence on their part or a good coincidence <laughs> on our part depending on you know how mm-hmm. how you look at it but it is odd that there are tons and tons of fair-minded loving people within christianity who also value Mm -hmm. critical thinking Mm -hmm. and they're in this like battle between conformity to the patriarchy and this critical thinking and you know in some of my family the conformity to the patriarchy just wins every time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that they taught me critical thinking Mm -hmm. yeah yeah growing up and it's it's that's a tough thing that's something where I've talked to a few people about this recently and actually somebody at one of the shows the other night talking about like their experience with it's really hard when you your parents have raised you to like seek truth and truth, yeah. honesty and um, doing your best at, at that and just yes. really being authentic and like being transparent and whatever that is. Um, yeah. 
But then when you do it and it's not aligned with like when you're when you're doing it and you're like, hey, so by the way, I don't know if I like actually like this is really hard to say, but I don't think that I believe (laughs) this stuff, which I had to say to my parents. Um, Were you at home when you did that or did you go out to eat or what? (laughs) No, we were at home. I mean, there was just a lot of conflict because they just didn't understand like what like what my goals were, I guess, or like that they had changed from, you know, after right. I left school and, and I was like really kind of, I was angry. Um, yeah. At the, like this system and like at the fact that like women were valued about, it's so frustrating to be like, Oh, I'm supposed to be a wife and mother and like, or I'm limited to these certain things and like biblical womanhood and what that looks like. And, I mean, it just all of it, it was just very, very toxic. And yeah. um, I mean, it's like, I think being a mom and a wife is great. Like sure. that's a job and that's hard and that's beautiful. Um, but not it, everybody that's what you wants want. to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the feeling that you're relegated to these roles in culture. And if you want to do anything else, it's a street fight to get there. That That's fucking yeah. terrible. There's no space like for your your desires or feelings or like, yeah. Whatever to be held. Like yeah. it's just rejected. It's like this isn't actually what's what you're supposed to be doing. Well, the the feeling, the message that I got really clearly was your body is bad. Don't listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um your flesh is bad. The the yeah. it's you're fallen. Ignore it, basically. <laughs> yeah. And if you yeah. listen if you do listen to your body, it's gonna tell you to fuck everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all that you're going to get from it is like yeah. have sex with this, have sex with that, have sex with this. Mm-hmm. And when I got that, that, that's the biggest lie of Christianity, I feel like, because when you get to a certain point where you're able to sort of take that f- step of faith to trust your body, mm-hmm. it's telling you what it needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's only rarely telling you to fuck something, you yeah. know? Yeah. And if you're really listening to your body too, it's asking and it's having you ask. And there, there's so much information there about how to live right and how to to, to find equilibrium. And yeah. we were told that it was bad. Yeah. And I it, believed it for yeah. so long till yeah. like last week, you know, is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, felt that deeply. Like you're told that this is the safest of places and it's actually not. Oh my gosh, it's so deadly. Yeah. And like people, like the idea of like needing to share your sin and like it's not even like who even said, like what is that and what does that mean? And like, no, like how do you navigate like what is a safe, like, I mean, just as a kid and like a pastor's kid, it was like I wanted to like tell my friends things that I was dealing with, but I was also afraid of them gossiping about me or like spreading lies about me and like my family. Like I didn't want that to happen so you just are like freaking out all (laughs) the time (laughs) um and i found i found internet friends um through like tumblr and uh like blogs and twitter and shit like i found people that like maybe weren't going through the same exact thing but like similar things or um one of my friends dear friend still like we have a lot in common um they were a pastor's kid as well, and mm-hmm. they are a person that 
understands in a way that many of my other friends will never be able to. Um, yeah. There's just like this unsaid kind of understanding and things that we don't have to spend like an hour explaining and we can spend like one and we're like, yeah, I got it. Like you don't even have to go go any further. Um, That's a but, gift. Yeah, it truly, truly is. But yeah, I mean, that was that was the environment and I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I worked at like coffee shop and then subway for four months and family video and then I got a job at Verizon I worked mm-hmm. at Verizon from like 18 to 21 and now I'm 23 like um, a retail store Verizon yeah 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 so I did a community college um like associate degree I did yeah. associate in science um so I was like working 40 45 hours a week and doing like 15 hours of school just because I was like trying to get out of there again um, yeah and that seemed like the path like mm-hmm. get my degree work it so that no one can get on my case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> save like money. Something. Yeah. Save it was like saving money. And I paid for, you know, my school like as I was going. So I didn't have to have like debt. Like I was very aware of the things that I did not want to to, to get be into yeah. dealing with. Yeah. With all the other things that I was dealing with. So I mean really the the record was written from like I wrote Tornado think in the end of 2014 mm-hmm. um and that was the first song that you wrote that ended up on the record yeah yeah and that's on a that's a piano mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that was a song that i wrote and then like i didn't share it with anyone for a couple of weeks i think the first person i shared it with was maybe like my younger sister uh-huh in my car, and I was just like, hey, I did this thing. Like, do you, what, what was her like, reaction? She thought it was really good. Yeah, she was just like, this is good. And I was like, okay. And then, like, <laughs> move on. Um, so, so, yeah, so I kind of, like, started slowly sharing it with, like, a few different people. And Yeah. Um, and That's a heady time in <laughs> one's development. I, I yeah. just want to stop and... Just revel in that moment when you get to start showing people something like that and they respond positively. It's so yeah. powerful. It's sca- it scared me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was more like, oh, like, can I, am I going to be able to do this again? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. with, you know, writing something that wasn't trash. Yep. That, that feeling won't go away for 20 years, oh, I, I don't think. I am fully aware of that. I feel that way even now, but... I've only recently, swear to God, crossed the threshold to a place where it's just like, stop doubting. Really? Yeah. It took, I mean, maybe I'm a a slow learner. I think uh, my records and interviews probably indicate that. (laughs) But but yeah, it it took me 20 years to get to the point where it's just like, hey, don't be self-conscious, just make something. And I mean, I try that. Like some days, I feel that way, but well, yeah, overall, yeah. my my feeling is fear. Self doubt is it has been a the one of the bigger dragons for sure to mm-hmm. to slay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like a questioning of self. Like, it's not even like can I write? It's like how can I even edit this to not be just like yeah, the worst junior uh, high poetry version of yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm isolating those like things that you're trying to translate is difficult um well so you're playing this song for your sister 
tornado mm-hmm. and beginning mm-hmm. the question of can I do this again? Yeah. And then what was the second indication that, yeah, you probably could do it more? Was it just that you wrote a, a, a second song? Yeah, I mean, I just kept trying to write better songs. Um, yeah. I mean, I was, I was like, okay, so this one, like, I kept it for a couple weeks or months, I don't really remember, and, and, and like, still didn't hate it, because <laughs> that was, like, That's so I cool. wouldn't share stuff unless I had, like, sat with it a long time. And That's a good habit. And, like, okay, well, I still don't hate it, so <laughs> I, I think it, well, it's worked thus far, so, but, yeah, so I just kept trying. The flip side to that is if you're emotionally needy, um, like I've been, sometimes I pass stuff along before I know what it is. And that is a recipe for very unstable feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> and emotional demands on friends and things that is are not cool to, to put. I, yeah. Your way is so much better. Uh, well, thanks. I don't know what I'm doing, but trying my best. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, the record, like, I didn't really realize that it was going to be a record. Like, the songs that I wrote were just, like, my best attempts at songwriting. Um, Yeah. And then it ended up being cohesive enough where I was like, I guess this is kind of a record. Um, Or, like, an EP or something. How far along were you when that that hit you, do you think? Um, That it was going to be a... like a collection like how of many songs. songs that I have yeah was it like were you like a year into it or yeah like a year yeah or less maybe yeah I wrote all the songs within pretty much a year time frame on the record except for 17 I wrote uh-huh. last year yeah and a video game was a little later too uh-huh. but yeah all the other songs are pretty much written within like a year's time frame so yeah I think around six songs is when I um felt like it was cohesive enough to like maybe share and then I you know wrote some more and and did um, that idea come from from you or at a certain you got six songs and you listened to them enough where you're like hey this is kind of a thing I had friends that were like musicians and they were like they had offered to um record and stuff um that's cool so that kind of got the the idea going and then I eventually, you know, just put it up on Bandcamp. But then Joyful Noise reached out to me about doing like being a part of their white label series. Um, Rad. Their white label series is they sell a subscription um, at the beginning of the year and then it's curated by people on their label. And then you get sent one record a month throughout the year um, that's that cool. someone has chosen. So Mira chose my record. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. Which is, yeah, wild stuff. And at that point, it was just seven songs. Uh, at weddings was and then right. once Saddle Creek like it was only on Bandcamp for like a month or so a couple labels reached out that Saddle Creek was one of the labels and they emailed me and then came and visited me last October and it was like the weekend of Halloween in Louisville so almost a year ago yeah so that's that's the how it happened I didn't I didn't really try there's like all of these men in my DMs all the time like uh, I'm not really asking you how to get signed, but like, how do I get signed? Oh man. But I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't respond to them anyway because I just like, it's not my job to like <laughs> yeah. do that. But yeah, it's weird to explain to people that I didn't actually like try to track down 
a label. I just was like wanting to release the songs and like yeah, Bandcamp was an easy way to do that. <laughs> well, um, I I think the answer to all those questions is just keep writing. Don't mm-hmm. focus on trying to get signed or any of that other stuff. It's you got to make the you got to make your stuff how you want it and yeah, keep trying. You know, yeah. I mean, it's more just about like releasing it and like share it with friends, like share it with. Yeah. I mean, share it on the internet. Like even if you're uncomfortable sharing it with friends and you can be like, hey, like here's this. But because it's not like I was ever, I'm I'm really like shy with that kind of stuff. Like I, yeah. Um, I don't really have, and maybe I don't really have a lot of confidence in I've it. heard of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's more so just like, when I do that kind of stuff, I have to like push myself. Like I, yeah. even when I like post promotional stuff, like just sharing something like, here's this, like I will like post something and then like do a task where I know that I have to be away from my phone. Like I'll like be like, okay, I'll post this. Even if it's like a video, like anything, like just sharing anything that's like music from me or even mm-hmm. me like doing like a small cover or something like post it. And then I'm like going to take a shower. Cause I know that I'll be occupied for like, a while yep. and like not be able to look at my phone or like not engage. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just very uncomfortable for me. But at the same time, I really like know that like music like yours and like a lot of different people's like really helped me. And like I, if I'm able to do that and share stuff that could help other people, like why wouldn't I? I, I feel the same motivation um, a lot and it requires that to be, get over the hump like you're saying because to do those to do a thing you're just saying hey everybody look at me Mm -hmm. and I'm doing I'm getting ready to do that right now with the new Pedro record and Mm -hmm. I'm having massive anxiety about it because it just feels like well there's like a self-aggrandizing aspect to it that is unavoidable Mm -hmm. Um, and for me the only justification that I can find to do that is if I'm taking risks that are the kind of risks that when other people have taken what I perceive to be similar risks that they've helped me. It's like mm-hmm. when somebody raises a hand in class and says, uh, I don't understand mm-hmm. <laughs> what mm-hmm. we're doing. Can you rephrase exactly. it or something? And then everybody yeah. else is like, oh, thank God. You know, yeah. <laughs> it just feels like, okay, I'll be that. I'll be that. Yeah. Um, exactly. You know, I have boundary issues and vulnerability seems like the antidote to so many problems. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really well equipped to just put myself out there, even if it's yeah. unhealthy on some level, but it hopefully yields something positive. And, um, yeah, I think all of it takes work. Like, it's just not easy. Like, yes, it's not, um, like it's easy to create boundaries and it's not like it's easy to, I don't know, navigate that, especially just with both of our background. It's like, okay, I need to learn what boundaries are in general. And just like the fact that I don't have to like, you know, split my chest open and like dump everything out all the time um, to like even feel validated. Like I'm actually friends with somebody. Like that's something that I'm still learning. Like, oh, I don't actually have to tell this person all my shit. Like, I know. (laughs) Even on this call, I was... I was literally thinking, okay, what are the boundaries? Because if I get in a communication, <laughs> like conversation, interviews with strangers, Same. conversation with strangers, <laughs> I will just open 
all the way up. Yeah, same. Um, and I'm learning that that's not. Uh, yeah. Well, so my <laughs> it's friends like not really a safe place. Sometimes it's not. You just have to figure out where where are the safe places and like who will this information actually be beneficial to, or am I like working through something right now? I think. Yeah, yeah. I've been such a dumbass about that over the years. And we were just talking about it at band practice yesterday because we were trying to decide the three focus tracks for the the promotion, you know, the run up to mm-hmm. the record. One of them that we were choosing between is this really vulnerable song, really super intimate. You know, a lot of Pedro songs, a lot of Bazan <laughs> songs are that way. Of course, your entire record feels that way to me too. Um, mm-hmm. But in the context of, of an otherwise sort of different feeling record, I realized that maybe this song is for the album and for shows and not for Mm, mm -hmm. the broadcast. Mm -hmm. Like that maybe we put our songs that have a bit of rhino skin on them Mm -hmm. out front. Like, you know, after Joshua Tree, you two changed. They were so vulnerable their whole career before that, boundaryless. In interviews and everything, and then when mm-hmm. they flipped over to Octane Baby mode, they became caricatures of themselves. I think deliberately, mm-hmm. um, like a self-preservation kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I think if you listen to the discography, and I'm not suggesting that you do. Some some people find that to be torture, but um, <laughs> there is a shift that happens at Octane Baby where they they're not able to be vulnerable and authentic anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to figure out, like, what can I learn from their shift between those two records and yet still not lose my ability to do real shit that is about what I want and not how it hits the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that is learning these articulated boundaries, which, like you say, growing up Christian, evangelical yeah. Christian, for some reason... That we just were not taught that, and it's yeah, it's diff- it's definitely hard mm-hmm. to navigate. Yeah, I think it's yeah. No one, no one is ever gonna like know all the answers, and there's like no textbook that's gonna like be the guide to how you navigate all the things and all the questions. I found enormous resources on Twitter of all places in the form mm-hmm. of ex-evangelical women. <laughs> Same. Who are in some cases, like Enneagram people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's something about ex-evangelical female voices that are the most consistent source of wisdom and mm. help. And like you say, it is subjective and there, are, there isn't a, a textbook, um, but there's, there's wisdom around and you have to cobble, you have to piece it together, you know, Mm-hmm. I, growing up the way that we did, that is one thing that I've had to get over is that all of the data is out there, but it's all in these pieces and you just have mm-hmm. to put it together. Mm-hmm. It takes work to educate like yourself and your mind and your yeah body and heart. It's like discipline in a way. It um, is without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And the, the the simple view of the world where there's this one book that you just stay in orbit of this one book and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. 
and uh, man, I just have They're never like it seen won't be fine, work. but in the end, it's like <laughs> right, you know. <laughs> um, but That's yeah, I don't know. It's it's a lot, and I'm just glad. Like I'm thankful for you, and thankful like that you're out there doing oh. this still and like want to say that because that's a I mean like I think people like me with my background and like even like the, my two like two of my best friends um, Dave and Matt they're playing in my live show and they like are also huge fans of you um, oh, man. and you're writing cool. like it's like it those are helpful like you're you are giving people tools <laughs> to to navigate you know these questions and these like frustrations and just things that like no one knows the answer to but like at least we can like talk it out and like work through it and yeah navigate it together and like through music and it's I mean that's the comfort that I carry with me every day like this is how like we are navigating <laughs> um yeah things and um and that's like, and those, those can be safe spaces. I mean, nothing is perfect and things are like infiltrated, but yes, I think a lot of people are trying their best and like want to listen and want to speak and want to like know and educate and just like shut up for a second. Like I don't, I'm overwhelmed with all of like the things that I don't know, but I'm like, I want to, you know, learn and listen and be quiet and but also like speak up when something is like really like not, no, like not today. But I could talk forever and I feel like you could too, which is great and we should talk yeah. more. I, but thank you so much for like Yeah, doing it was my this. pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Well, of course. I, I love your record. It's thank you. I love your records. I'm very stoked for the new Pedro record, so... I think it's pretty cool. I will see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I'm excited. Well, uh, congrats on everything, and I hope it just goes great for you. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. This like made my day that you wanted to do this, so Me I appreciate too. it. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, see you soon. Okay, later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sarah Beth, Tom Berlin, David Bazan, thank you so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. Josh, I thought it was so fucking cool that the two met here on the podcast, hit it off so well, stayed in touch, and have now just announced that big tour together in February. We help make dreams come true. Another beautiful friendship spawned by TalkHouse. Yes. And listeners, if you enjoyed today's conversation, another episode that I'll recommend, which resulted in the exact same thing, a friendship and a tour together, the Torres and Brandy Carlisle episode of the podcast explores a lot of the same themes. Today's episode was recorded by Joe Darnaby in Chicago and David Bazan at his home. The TalkHouse theme song was composed and performed by The Range. And you can find TalkHouse on various social channels, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can now find us on Spotify, but listeners, I'm guessing you already knew that because the week that we hit Spotify, we were already trending amongst their podcasts. So thank you to everybody who's been checking us out over there. We have some incredible podcasts coming for you all next year, including conversations with, you ready? <gasps> Preoccupations and Proto-Martyr. 
Sierra Wack, Anamdiok Banaya, Vince Clark, and Orbital Sylvan Esso, and Anna Dresden, Ariel Pink, and Kate Laban, Boogerins, and Kikagaku Moyo, and so many, many more. But for now, happy, happy holidays, and we are signing off for 2018. I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Josh Modell. See you next year. Bye.